Welcome to Farm Focus, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. This week's episode, we talked to Lily Guthrie, State and Local Government Affairs Specialist for the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. We discussed with her all the top priorities for the Farm Bureau this year. What's going on, everybody? David here, back again with another Farm Focus podcast for you guys. This week, we have Lily Guthrie, PFB's uh, State and Local Government Affairs Specialist. Lily, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right. Great. Um, now, Lily, we did a podcast with Grant already about this sort of topic-ish, um, basically just to let everybody know we're going to be going over some of the key um, stuff that revolves around your job position. Um, and before, I guess, we dive into anything, uh, can you explain to the people out there, for those who may not know or just maybe need a refresher, um, sort of what you do around here at PFB. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So in my role as a state and local government affairs specialist, I am Pennsylvania Farm Bureau's principal Harrisburg lobbyist. So I work with state affairs. I also focus on local government as well. So working county and municipal leaders um, on farm issues. So I do work closely with Grant, especially uh, in the environmental space. Definitely, yeah. Lily, you do a fantastic job and you know a lot about what you're doing, certainly more than I do, so it's good you're doing your job and I'm not doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're just going to go over a, a couple things today. Um, I guess, Lily, whatever you think is the most important topic for us to talk about mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so lots of legislative updates happening now. They are in the heat of budget discussions, so both the House and the Senate are in session. Uh, excited to see the outcome of that. We're very hopeful with Governor Shapiro's budget proposal, but I think uh, in this case we can kind of walk through our six legislative priorities for the session, if that sounds good with you. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So each year we do have legislative priorities sent in by the counties. We ask them to rank what is most important to them in their area. So that's kind of how we get our legislative priorities for each session. Uh, This year we have six. We'll start off with broadband. Um, This is an interesting one, really important to not just the farming community, but rural Pennsylvanians as well. So last session, there was legislation passed that created the Pennsylvania Broadband Development Authority. Uh, That was really monumentous. Uh, Lots of money devoted to deploying broadband to rural Pennsylvania and making sure that everyone has access to high-speed internet. Um, And while the legislative component of this priority has kind of been settled, like I said last session, our goal now is to really make sure those funds are deployed to the right areas and that everyone who really needs high-speed internet access is receiving it. So Bailey Thumb, our federal affairs specialist, actually sits on the Pennsylvania Broadband Development Authority subcommittee on education and outreach. So she's really our voice there. Uh, Broadband is a federal priority as well because there's a lot of federal money uh, devoted to that too. So we kind of are both focusing on that. Um, But really something we're prioritizing, um, making sure all of our members have access to that. A lot of ag technology relies on high-speed internet, uh, healthcare services, educational services, government services. So really critical there and a priority we're definitely focusing on this year. Awesome. Yeah. It's it's definitely something I've seen uh, since working here that's really important. There's a lot of uh, members and some of even our staff people who are in areas that just don't either barely have internet or just don't have it at all and I mean me I'm not in a city but I'm also not like way out there 
Um, so, you know, I have, I'll, I'll say I have the luxury of having internet access pretty well. Um, and just to think, especially nowadays, to not have that, and especially with how we communicate and stuff like that. So, um, you know, to me, it seems like something very important, like you said, some of like these medical fields and high, higher offices and such like that, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, it's pretty crucial for them to have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's pretty unfathomable that in 2023, there's still thousands of Pennsylvania residents who don't have access to uh, broadband. So really critical there. And like you mentioned, I live in Perry County. I don't live in the middle of nowhere. I live in a small town, but uh, we struggle with our internet. So making sure everyone has access to that is a priority for us here at Farm Bureau. Definitely. All right, what do we get? Yeah, so number two this year, uh, not in order, just next alphabetically, (laughs) is dairy. Always a huge topic here in Pennsylvania, uh, focusing on several priorities within dairy this session. So first we can kind of talk about um, a package of legislation that's been introduced in the House. And that is the Dairy Assistance Package. Representatives John Lawrence and Representative Clint Owlett have been working really hard uh, to make sure this gets some traction this session. Uh, but the three bills in that package are House Bill 995, and that would create Keystone Opportunity Dairy Zones. And this bill would provide tax incentives to locate new processing plants to Pennsylvania, which would be huge for Pennsylvania dairy farmers. So that again is House Bill 995. Keystone Opportunity Dairy Zones. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, the Fairlife plan, everyone knows uh, probably at this point that that was placed in New York. A big blow to Pennsylvania dairy and and Pennsylvania's economy, but we're hopeful. We're looking to get more processing plants here, and that's something we're definitely continuing to work with. I know Governor Shapiro's administration has placed high priority on that as well, so excited for the future there. The next bill in the package is House Bill 996, and that would clarify the PMMB's roles and responsibilities as it relates to milk premiums. So the overordered premium, always a huge topic. Uh, Bailey is our uh, staff coordinator on the Dairy Committee, so she works really closely with that. Um, I like to provide them with state updates and, and work closely with them as well. Uh, this bill has not been officially introduced yet. Representative Lawrence has given us this bill number, uh, but they're still working on a few final tweaks to get that across the finish line and make sure it's a bill um, that works with all stakeholders. So that is uh, to come, but looking forward to lobbying for that uh, starting in the House. And the final bill in that package is House Bill 997. That's the Whole Milk and Pennsylvania Schools Act, and that would ensure Pennsylvania children have access to PA-produced whole milk. So obviously the health benefits of whole milk are innumerable. Very excited um, to see this be reintroduced to this session. Um, it does actually have a Senate companion bill as introduced by Senator Michelle Brooks. That's Senate Bill 297, and that's the Whole Milk and Schools Act over in the Senate. That is currently in the Senate Rules Committee. Um, We've been lobbying for that. That's been there since March, so kind of stalled out, but we're we're still hopeful um, for that bill over in the Senate as well. But again, dairy is such a huge economic boost uh, for Pennsylvania agriculture and the Pennsylvania economy in general, so always a priority of ours uh, to make sure that farmers are getting the recognition they deserve and that Pennsylvania dairy is supported. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> again, since working here, I knew dairy was definitely a very uh, high topic here at the, the Farm Bureau. And like you said, it's very clear even um, at the legislation level, um, you know, so it only emphasizes how important it is. And again, with the whole fair life, um, that was uh, definitely disappointing to us, um, especially to me, because I 
eat their drink their protein shakes. So I was hoping to tour <laughs> their building and get a, a free protein shake or two. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but that's a okay. Um, we'll get them next time. But <clears throat> um, I'm, I'll ask sort of uh, a, a, maybe a dumb question here, and this might mm -hmm. be more for me, um, but this may also be for some audience people. Mm -hmm. um, so with these bills being in a package, do they all have to pass for them all to go through, or is it, you know, can one go through and like the other two don't, or if, you know, two go through and one doesn't, none of them work? Mm -hmm. it, is that how that works, or? Yeah, that's a great question. Luckily, they don't all have to pass. They're technically separate bills. Okay. So two of them, one of them could pass, and the rest don't have to cross the finish line. Okay. Um, but ideally, we advocate for all of them mm -hmm. and the whole package would pass but they don't all have to i got you so yeah. it's just sort of like they all revolve around the same issue basically and that's Definitely. why they're pretty much packed okay mm -hmm. that makes more sense now and uh that's that's what i figured but you know mm -hmm. um again that's why you do what you do and i do all the creative stuff but uh awesome um and it was really exciting I'll, I'll add um the June is National Dairy Month. Mm. So last week in the Capitol, in the main Capitol Rotunda, Senator Elder Vogel, chair of the Senate Ag and um, Rural Affairs Committee, held a press conference celebrating National Dairy Month. So he was there. He was accompanied by Senator Judy Schwank, co-chair of the Senate Ag Committee. Uh, Representative Eddie Dabyshinsky was there. Um, Secretary Russell Redding, Jane Seabright of the Center for Dairy Excellence, uh, accompanied by Dairy Princesses, and, and there was uh, President Chris Hoffman was in, mm -hmm. wasn't there, um, lots of PFB staff, uh, and other representatives and senators were in the crowd as well, but it was great to celebrate Dairy Month. Uh, farm show milkshakes were there, uh, and there were also calves that were brought uh, to Soldiers Grove right by the Capitol, so staff right. and legislators had the chance to go see some, <laughs> some young calves, and it was a great time, so very exciting to see dairy supported and promoted at the Capitol like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great to see, and it's mm -hmm. it, from the pictures I saw from uh, some of the senators and uh, even Secretary Russell Redding posting, it seemed like a very great time, mm -hmm. so like you said, I'm glad to see that uh, uh, it was celebrated so well. Mm -hmm. um, so moving from dairy, what do we have next on yeah. today's agenda? So next priority is MS4 and stormwater management. This is one I work very closely with Grant on as our regulatory affairs specialist. Um, MS4 has been de very detrimental to a lot of rural communities. Um, so MS4, if you're not familiar, is municipal separate stormwater sewer systems. So very long, long name. Um, but stormwater fees in Pennsylvania are based on the amount of impervious cover a property contains. So if an area has more roof, driveways, patios, and parking lots, uh, that counts toward the total um, amount of impervious cover. So properties with more impervious cover generate more stormwater runoff and therefore pay larger fees. Um, municipalities do use different approaches to estimate um, the fees and in some instances they'll visit properties to take measurements but more often they use aerial imagery to generate those fees um, so uh, on that note it, it's not the best way to calculate those fees that are imposed a lot of times um, it, it comes down unfairly on mm -hmm. farmers and agriculturalists and in some cases the BMPs that they're implementing to manage stormwater are counting against them in the amount of impervious cover that they have. So pretty ridiculous. We're really working to kind of get that 
uh, change and find a different way to calculate um, a big problem for farmers alike. Uh, just on that note, House Bill 207, that is introduced by Representative data to determine MS4 compliance. So a lot of the figures that they're using to determine whether or not someone's in compliance um, with those fees are outdated, 10, 15, 20 years old. So what this would do would allow, um, would allow the municipalities imposing these fees to be getting accurate and up-to-date data. So very supportive of that. Um, something we're focusing a lot. We're working with a lot of township supervisors. Our members who are township supervisors have been very critical um, in this as well. So definitely a large priority of ours. Kind of on that note as well with the stormwater. Um, something that's been reintroduced from last session. That is the clean streams legislation introduced by Senator Jane Yaw. And this session, it's Senate Bill 689 and 690, so advocating for those. So Senate Bill 689 would allow for local government organizations to apply for a permit for continuing maintenance for a period of at least 10 years for the streams within their jurisdiction. So very supportive of that. I think it comes down to allowing local governments to do what they do best and uh, regulate the streams uh, or be able to maintain the streams within there within their area. And the second bill in that package, which is House Bill 6, Senate Bill, excuse me, 690, would create a program that allows counties to opt in to address hazards within their streams by allowing for emergency maintenance permits in consultation with their county conservation districts. And I think it'd be remiss if I didn't mention how big of a role the county conservation districts play and how local governments really have a lot of potential in working together with their county conservation districts to um, address flood-related hazards and flooding concerns and our watersheds and streams. So very supportive of those two as well. Uh, excited to see where those go. Yeah. It's very interesting you actually uh, brought up about impervious coverage and uh, uh, township uh, you know, rule and stuff like that. Funny enough, and this might be getting a little too much into the personal stories, my dad owns a uh, separate property. It's like a 60 by 60 foot uh, property. It's close to our house and it's all, all it ha is is our garage to for extra storage and stuff like that. Um, and he ran into this problem. He We've had it for years now and it was in the front, it's black topped. And then I think a little bit on the side, it was black topped too, but then the rest of it was grass. Uh, well, eventually he turned it into stone and that was okay because it was a certain type of stone that didn't count as impervious coverage. I, I don't remember what the classification was it was for it. Um, but then he ended up just blacktopping all of it because, it, it, he, again, with the grass, it was like, you know, this is, um, I don't know, like 50 square feet of grass. Like, why am I coming down here to clip it all the time? And so he turned it all into blacktop and eventually the township said that's a no-no and he actually had had to dig up all that blacktop and replace it with stone and it was a huge you know financial burden and all this that and the other thing so it was mm -hmm. just interesting to hear that kind of coming around and things like that you know exactly it's definitely not something that impacts just farmers mm -hmm. uh, rural residents alike are, are facing a lot of problems with that so definitely house bill 207 is something we're watching and, and hoping mm -hmm. to get some relief from so. interesting mm -hmm. all right what do we have uh next for today yeah so our third priority is solar definitely a big topic not just pennsylvania but across the country right now um, and the solar development is growing rapidly so at farm bureau we're supportive of a diverse comprehensive energy supply um, 
not does include natural resources, but we're really just concerned with making sure the growth of solar happens uh, in harmony with agricultural production. So that's our big focus. Um, legislatively, we're supportive of Senate Bill 211, sponsored by Senator Jean Yaw, which establishes decommissioning and bonding requirements for project developers who seek to install or operate commercial solar electric uh, in Pennsylvania. So. Now, this establishes reasonable, decommission, reasonable decommissioning and bonding requirements um, for solar energy. So that's very exciting, supportive of that. That's been reintroduced from previous session, uh, but that is now in the House Environmental Resources and Energy Committee passed out of the Senate. So we're advocating that over in the House now. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this is, so, I mean, you know as much as I do, solar is a very... Uh, important issue I'll say the least um, at the Farm Bureau you know there's a lot of I don't want to say controversy but there's definitely a lot of back and forth about where to go with it um, again you know that just as well as I do and a lot of our members know that as well um, interesting enough I was actually uh, speaking with I was at I was at an event for Farm Bureau and I was speaking with one of uh, she she just joined as one of our members I'm pretty sure and uh, <clears throat> can't remember exactly what her job title is but she goes out to places that lay uh, 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 pipes for gas gas lines things like that basically energy um, related fields and she goes and she helps with the process of fixing up the ground so you know you dig up the pipes like the big keystone pipe they dug it up and then she helped with the repairing of it Um, and apparently and I don't know the details exactly, but she was dealing with something with solar, and she basically explained to me, she said, David, you go out to any solar field, out to any of those uh, just huge open fields, and the ground beneath it's completely dead. Um, she explained to me no sun is able to get to that ground or anything whatsoever, so the nutrients that you know normal plant life gets from the sun, it's, it's just not existent. Um, so it's very interesting, I think, like we're seeing, we're trying to have this go at a steady pace, not just all flop over to one side. It's like, let's let's make sure everything's going right in the mm-hmm. world, you know, with some of this stuff. So it's definitely interesting to see where this is gonna go and uh, how solar's gonna end up and other renewable energies. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Yeah. Agrivoltaics is a, is a huge topic and we participated in a webinar series back in the early winter uh, in coordination with the New York Farm Bureau, uh, Cornell Extension, and Penn State University Extension. So I think that was uh, well received by members. It was geared towards municipal planners uh, and how they can deal um, with the influx of solar. So if anyone would like that information, we'd be happy to provide that. But we are in the planning stages of planning another solar webinar series, again, in coordination with New York Farm Bureau, Cornell Extension, Penn State Extension, and we've also just brought in Ohio Farm Bureau uh, and Ohio State um, as well. So in the planning stages of that, um, that will likely take place this fall. So again, we'll keep you updated with all that information, but definitely a topic we're watching very closely here at Farm Bureau. Awesome. All right, what do we got next on our top priorities? Yeah, next, uh, transportation. Always (laughs) a big one. Lots of transportation issues that farmers face on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have some great movement, particularly Senator Wayne Langerholk, the chair of the Senate Transportation Committee, has been a great ally of Farm Bureau and passed a lot of favorable legislation out of that committee so far this session, uh, particularly Senate Bill 95, 
that streamlines the home delivery of milk and other ag products with a farm vehicle registration plate. So currently, uh, a farm owner and operator would have to maintain a separate commercial vehicle for those types of deliveries. But this bill would kind of streamline that process. Uh, and it did just recently pass out of the House Transportation Committee. It's on the House calendar, so we'll keep you updated on that bill, but very excited to see movement there. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, <clears throat> it reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, I think he was more of a small-time farmer at uh, Farm Show Days, or excuse me, the Farm Show, um, and he was asking me questions about that. He's like, hey, can I do this if I don't have registration, or this, that, or the other thing? And if my memory serves me, I think he basically wanted to just deliver some of his produce or you know whatever he was producing at his farm in like his van um, that he had. And he, I, he was worried that he'd need to get all those types of registration and things like that. And I, I didn't have the answer for him right there because I wasn't well versed on it. But, you know, I definitely directed him towards us and hopefully he got the answers that he needs. But it's uh, um, definitely interesting learning about all the steps that farmers need to take just to, uh, you know, go right down the road to one of their neighbors and, you know, mm -hmm. sell them a gallon of milk or, you know, a pound of beef, something like that, you know. Exactly. And, th and that's the struggle. It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, Oftentimes, nobody has the answers with these transportation issues, and PennDOT may not even have the answers. <laughs> so uh, really looking to provide clarity and relief from a lot of these uh, regulatory and, yeah. and bureaucratic burdens that our members face. So excited for that. We also have Senate Bill 153 that's sponsored by Senator Judy Ward uh, and Jean Yaw. And that would amend the vehicle code to ensure that milk haulers can travel on highways during a declaration of disaster emergency. So allowing milk haulers even though there would be a statewide uh, declaration of emergency to continue mm -hmm. traveling because as you know uh, just like I do that the dairy industry and agriculture doesn't stop uh, just when the weather yeah. might get bad or there might be something else going on so very supportive of that uh, as well we do have House Bill 84 sponsored by Representative Donna Overlander and that would allow owners of specialized farm equipment to attain a yearly permit uh, as opposed to a permit so we're watching that's currently in house transportation, I believe, and House Bill 245 sponsored by Representative Stephanie Borowitz. And that would allow MAVs or, or multi-purpose agricultural vehicles, uh, ATVs or side-by-sides mm -hmm. as we typically call them, to travel on highways and between farms um, for the purpose of conducting their business so or performing agricultural activities. So again, that is currently in the house our Agricultural and Rural Affairs Committee, but a lot of bills that we're watching closely and, and supportive of that would make farming easier. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's glad, it's good to hear about all this uh, being taken place, you know, kind of like you said with the ATVs and side-by-side, -side, being able to travel across roads just to uh, simplify things and farmers, uh, you know, don't have to have the hassle of getting in trouble or anything like that because uh, you know as well as I do and our listeners, you know, that's what some farmers use to travel from, you know, barn to barn or field to field just to check up on things. They don't want to have to break their car or truck out every time to go 10 feet down the road. Well, that, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, um, and a lot of times that's where they store their tools for what they're using. And, you know, we can go on about that, mm -hmm. but yeah. very, uh, <clears throat> very interesting things. And like you said, we look forward to the positive outcomes from them. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think the key with a lot of these transportation issues is just communication between PennDOT, between farmers, and between a lot of uh, 
law enforcement agencies, whether that's the state police or our local municipal police, um, kind of getting on the same page with those registrations and a lot of those rules and regulations uh, is really, really important. And it's always good to see back in April, um, you played a big part in Rural Road Safety Week. So having the coordination and support of the state police for that is something that we're really excited for and, and we should really kind of focus on growing. So always excited to see that collaboration. Absolutely. We're always looking to work together with different organizations just to better farming, better agriculture, and better Pennsylvania. So. Exactly. All right. What do we... Is this the last one? Or? Yeah, so okay. our last uh, state priority for the year is wildlife and crop damage, one you're very familiar with Absolutely. in your role. Um, but wildlife and crop damage is a huge concern for Pennsylvania farmers, and not just in one area of the state, but throughout. So something we're very much focusing on, and I think this is a unique issue because it really brings together uh, rural people with suburban and even urban people. The deer population is really out of control right now. So looking to find solutions, we don't have any legislation on this yet, but we're working, looking to work closely uh, with Senator Rothman. He is the chair of the Wildlife and Fisheries Committee uh, over in the Senate. So looking to work with him, I believe they are looking to hold a hearing uh, coming up on this topic. So very hopeful for that discussion and looking forward to finding solutions for farmers to provide some relief for this. Absolutely. Like you said, it's it's uh, not only a battle for the farmers, but it's also a battle for some of the rural, uh, rural and urban people alike. Um, the farm crop damage, obviously. Um, for other people who might not be a farmer, it's either uh, deer or other animals are getting into their backyard and tearing up their own house. Um, or even the bigger thing now is just car accidents. Um, you know, you hit a deer in a certain type of car, that car's totaled um, and it seems to be being more and more prevalent um, all the time I see more and more deer on the side of the road from being hit or you know whatnot <clears throat> so the issue is obviously getting um, definitely worse um, in fact we actually had our wildlife and fisheries committee meeting last night as of uh, this podcast um, and one of our members brought up I don't remember exactly um, how he said it but uh, you know, a couple years ago, this was still a pretty big issue, um, and they were talking about it, and they said, to date, it hasn't gotten any better, and, you know, they've been talking about the crop damage and trying to improve upon things, but it hasn't gotten any better. It's only gotten worse, um, and, you know, we've come up with a couple issues with why that is. One of the big things is the lack of hunters. Um, that's definitely one of the bigger issues, the lack of hunters, lack of them taking deer, um, and other animals, you know, so it's only increasing that population and of course they increase the population, they, you know, move around more, they need more food, so on and so forth. You know, a couple years ago a farmer might have been dealing with one or two deer, now they're dealing with 20 on their, uh, you know, 20 acre plot of land and they'll just mow it down completely. So, like you said, it's, it's a very big issue for us right now um, and it's something we're looking like you said, with Senator Rothman and other senators and representatives to hopefully fix um, and try to get something going in the right direction. Definitely, and I think we'll have a big have a big step forward once we can kind of have a better idea of the scope of the losses. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something the committee is focusing on too. So definitely excited to see that's priority for the committee and something we'll be working on going forward. Awesome. Um, 
now that's the end of the top priorities lily is there mm -hmm. anything else for your priorities you want to go over i have a few i got i do have a few more questions but okay. you know if you want to discuss anything else yeah i do have uh, just a few more pieces of legislation i okay. want to cover here absolutely uh, primarily something we're strongly in opposition of typically we like to focus on things we're supportive of but mm -hmm. um when something this important and this detrimental comes along i think it's important to mention as well so many of you might have already heard of the equal rights for ag workers package um, as you know, Pennsylvania farmers are facing challenges as they've never had before financially um, in, in the climate that we're in right now. So a very tough time to be a farmer in Pennsylvania and across the country. Uh, so definitely not the time for this package to be introduced, but four House Democrats have introduced a package, uh, like I said, titled Equal Rights for Agricultural Workers in Pennsylvania. That's Rep. Dan Miller, Rep. Danilo Burgos, Rep. Manuel Guzman, and Rep. Joseph Hohenstein. Uh, and in the memo, they stated that tens of thousands of agricultural workers are deprived of the fundamental rights uh, that workers in other economic sectors take for granted. Uh, just that statement right there. I would love to have a conversation about them, how the agricultural industry is so much different than any other sector. Um, and just that right there, I do have some problems with. But there are three pieces of legislation, another package. <laughs> Pennsylvania Farm Bureau strongly opposes each of them. House Bill 347 allow agricultural laborers to the right to self-organize, to form, join, or assist to labor organizations, to bargain collectively about the terms and conditions of their employment, and to engage in concerted activities for mutual aid or protection. This bill currently in the House LNI Committee. And again, agricultural work is, is completely different than any other type of employment. It's hard work, but it's very rewarding, uh, and the farmer really appreciates and, and supports their their laborers. But this this bill is just simply. Uh, Un infeasible. It's something that wouldn't be able to, to work here in Pennsylvania and quite frankly put small farms uh, and farms even of, of mid to large size out of business. Uh, the next bill in the package, House Bill 1045, would treat people employed in ag labor as entitled to coverage for unemployment insurance compensation. Again, that bill also in the Ag and Rural Affairs Committee. And finally, we have House Bill 1141, which includes the minimum wage component of the package. And that bill is also in the House Ag Committee, but just the combination of these things or any one of them uh, standing alone is incredibly harmful to Pennsylvania agriculture. We've worked with different organizations who have expressed extreme concerns as well. So looking to kind of work with on a joint effort to oppose this, but quite simply stated, like I said before, this would be the closure of family farms and small farms in Pennsylvania. We can look at what's happening in New York. They're just a few years ahead of us and it's been extremely detrimental. So looking to not repeat that here, learn from our neighbors and move forward. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's something interesting that you uh, bring up too. We actually uh, just had a conversation, a group conversation the other day um, and we were talking, I don't remember exactly who brought it up, but it's it was along the lines of some, you know, there's people out there who don't understand the entire scope of everything. They just look at it from one picture and not uh, uh, from every single angle. Uh, and we discussed about how there's a lot of farmers who will actually um, be spending, you talked about the minimum wage, and it in turn, f there are farmers out there, or owners, um, who in turn end up paying like 20 to $25 per hour uh, for their workers, not all up front, but it ends up being their housing, their transportation, their food, clothing, things like that. And, you know, there's not a lot of jobs out there that, you know, give you the housing, give you transportation, things like that. So that's where, you know, to me, that's where those 
different aspects come into place. You can't just look at the bottom dollar and go, you know, what's going on. You have to look at every aspect of it um, and, you know, start going from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot that goes into it. And bottom line is this would be very, very harmful for Pennsylvania farmers. So we'll keep you updated on that legislation. We'll be watching very closely. And, and finally, I have to mention uh, the budget and our priorities as Farm Bureau. Uh, like I had stated before, the budget proposed by Governor Josh DePiro is one that's a great starting point uh, for Pennsylvania farmers, so we're very excited to see that. Um, it's been great to work with his administration thus far, so hopefully that continues into the future. But just a few of our priorities, uh, an increase to the uh, gov- general government operations line for the Department of Ag to fund per- personnel and programs, food safety, animal health, and market development. At Farm Bureau, we will work very closely with the Department of Ag, so looking to make sure that's fully funded. Uh, an increase to the agricultural preparedness and response line to help combat and respond to HPAI. I know the huge concern, which I'm sure Grant mentioned mm-hmm. in his, his update, but something we're focusing on there. Again, funding for Penn State Cooperative Extension and Research. Uh, so they can continue independent research on issues like air quality, pest management, uh, business diversification. Uh, so they're really critical in, to Pennsylvania farmers and Pennsylvania agriculture in general. Again, funding for the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine, uh, University of Pennsylvania Center for Infectious Disease uh, to address diseases like West Nile, Lyme disease that do impact a lot of Pennsylvania's agricultural community. Uh, and finally, restoration of the Animal Health and Diagnostic Commission line and the Livestock and Consumer Protection line. So, if anything, HPII really highlights the need for programs like that to remain viable. So, really focusing on that, but we're very excited with the budget. Again, those no- negotiations are taking place right now uh, just across the river in Harrisburg. So, something we're focusing on. We'll definitely keep you updated when they reach a final verdict. Yeah. And I, I will ask, this is one of my questions I had for you, Lily. What, what are... What's the general thoughts and feelings right now with the budget as mm-hmm. far as, you know, some of our priorities and just maybe in general, you know? Yeah, we're, we're very hopeful. Uh, everyone we've had meetings with, both in, uh, Justin over in the House and myself over in the Senate, they've been very supportive of agriculture. And it's a great budget for agriculture thus far, so we're just hoping it continues that way uh, and we can see a lot of those priorities be funded. Um, so, very excited. Awesome. Yeah, sounds very hopeful, and mm-hmm. that's what it seems like from me picking up on your guys' conversations, and it's it's very good to hear, um, and hopefully it stays that way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is the one question I had for you, and, you know, this is kind of going back a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and maybe people are still curious about this, maybe not, but the House and the Senate in the beginning of everything was a little chaotic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what was going on with that? And could you explain to everybody what was, you know, me and you kind of talked about it before Mm -hmm. and we talked about it around the office, but just to, I think, key everybody in just so they understand why and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the beginning of the session, particularly in the house, was pretty crazy. Uh, It was a back and forth for a while. Uh, We started off with uh, several resignations. Um, There were special elections. So I don't think the house was fully staffed and ready to go until uh, mid-spring, yeah. mid to late spring, which is pretty crazy. Um, we had several districts where uh, the house member went on to run for Senate and that was successful. So there's an open district that way. We had some little uh, resignations due to other reasons. Um, 
but it was just a pretty wild session. Uh, redistricting played a role in that, so the districts had changed up from previous elections. Uh, that played a role as well. So lots of changes uh, now. As you know, the Democrats are in the majority. So there are 203 members in the Pennsylvania House. There are 102 Democrats and 101 Republicans. So a very slim one-member majority for yeah. the Democrats, and that makes things very interesting, to say the least. So. I think that in combination, the Democrats haven't been a majority for several years, so a lot of their staff was new to those roles as well, mm -hmm. uh, and they weren't used to uh, leading the House, so I think it's a lot of things that factored in. Uh, luckily, they're, they're in Harrisburg working on the budget now, but very interesting start to the session. So far, we've only had one bill signed into law uh, by Governor Shapiro, so that's unheard of. It's pretty crazy, uh, but we're hoping that more action comes uh, when they return back after budget in the fall. So very interesting it just seems i mean like you said just to kind of recap it just seems like a lot of new a lot of new stuff and a lot of uh going oh boy what are we doing exactly. <laughs> type stuff um you know you, you've been around it more than i have lily in, in your other careers have you seen anything similar to this mm -hmm. or before in the past or is this kind of very new mm -hmm. and very abrupted to years past yeah, so before coming to Farm Bureau, I worked for the House of Representatives over in Harrisburg, and this is very different than years previous. So um, coming to Farm Bureau in November and, and seeing this process, it looks very different and very foreign, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's just because I'm in a different role. Let me <laughs> just say that. So very interested, but I know uh, Justin and I have been very diligent. We've been at the Capitol several times a week. Uh, yeah. Since, since we both got in these roles, so working very closely with legislators, making our presence known, uh, and making sure farmers' voices are represented in Harrisburg is our main priority, uh, and we'll continue to work at that. Fantastic. Um, Lily, that's all the questions I have. Is there you know any last-minute things you'd like to say to the audience or anything like that? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think you covered it, and, and thanks for the time today. But as always, free to call, uh, email me if anyone has ever qu any questions or wants to talk about any of this in more detail. Awesome. Well, I thank you for coming on, Lily. And again, uh, this was David Varner and Lily Guthrie on Farm Focus talking about all the important policies going on in Harrisburg. Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way, and all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Podbean at pfbcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.